0: to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. My name is Vry, and with me, as always, is Dorothy. Hello! And this is our annual Pride Month celebration, where this year's theme is discussing movies about the gays made for straight people. And you may have noticed that I only introduced one co-host this time, and there's a reason for that
1: yeah this one's gonna be a little bit unusual um this is partly my fault (laughs) in that this is my pick but um as we mentioned last week we just couldn't bring ourselves in good conscience to inflict this film on another person particularly a another woman who loves women or anything because this movie is not good it's A really, really not.
0: And it's bad in a not funny way. It's just kind of a drag. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the movies that we have chosen for this year are interesting in some way. They have at least something that they were trying to do or something positive that they contributed to the world. Or some sort of cultural resonance. Something. Today we're going to be diving into the well of the Lesbian Phase film. Yep. I feel like this is... Still, it's not not a thing anymore, but it is... People have realized that it's not okay to call it what it is, you know? So you hear about it less. Uh, But the lesbian phase, or you may have heard lesbian until graduation, the lug. Although these women are grown-ass women. Yep.
1: But, um, so we're looking at the, depending on uh, your source, 2001 or 2002 film, Kissing Jessica Stein. And we'll get to why those dates are slightly inconsistent
0: yeah it's um the the actual production production isn't that interesting the uh, film is based on what was written by the two leads based on their broadway play called lipstick well i don't think it was broadway or well their stage
1: play yeah their their stage play it was like a two-woman
0: thing this um god this film wants to be a woody allen movie
1: Well, I mean, nobody's fucking teenagers.
0: That's true. So it has that going for it. (laughs) It has cleared that extremely low bar.
1: Um, But yeah, so other movies that do what this is doing.
0: Yeah, it's... I I actually spent some time desperately Googling around to try and find um, other phase movies that we could talk about. As it turns out, this is by far the most famous one. Mm -hmm. I I will step up and say that... um, I saw a couple of articles comparing this to Chasing Amy and fuck off with that nonsense. That's a much better movie and that's not what it's about. It's, it's about a bisexual woman who has ended up identifying as lesbian because of gold star politics and ends up with a man for a while. It's a very different kind of film than this. It's one of those things that rarely gets whole movies made about it. Sometimes a straight character will have lesbianism in their background, you know, they they tried going lesbian. Scott Pilgrim, um, Ramona Flowers, has her one lady ex, or more often it turns into like...
1: Well, it's a spicy detail for free-spirited ladies, usually.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I feel like the modern version that it's turned into is a character will be nominally bisexual, but they only dated people of the same gender in the past, so it's effectively the same thing as a lesbian phase. Like, um... Thirteen yeah thank you uh thank you for that very convenient cough i'm glad we're on the same wavelength with that bullshit (sighs) so
1: yeah i um first heard about this movie back in 2002 um through roger ebert's review in the newspaper
0: Eh, eh.
1: shut up i'm old it's okay. okay i also read roger ebert reviews in the newspaper Look, I was 16. What was I going to do? <laughs> so yeah, I heard about it in his review in 2002 of this interesting and different new romantic comedy that stars two women. Who end up going on a date because of a uh, an ad in the newspaper. <laughs> Wacky shenanigans. I mean, they could have just called it single white female yes sadly that was taken <laughs> um and even though she's straight she falls for this girl that she goes on a date with and shenanigans ensue with her with her you know very Jewish family and uh, politics and culture so I like mentally noted it down as something that I wanted to see someday when I could When I had the ability to go out and find it and
0: watch it. As you do when you are a baby gay and you're you're furiously scribbling down even the most gay adjacent things. Right. Also,
1: I was broke when I was 16, so I didn't have a car, so I couldn't, like, go out and go to the movies. Thank God. Thank God you didn't pay to see this in a theater. (sighs) Hey, I mean, it could be worse. Could it? I mean, the, the folks that attended the one screening. Oh, right. Yeah, well, yeah, so let's... One of the reasons that... <laughs> no, no, let's do this now. <laughs> so one of the reasons that um, the dates are confused on this is because it first made its premiere at a film festival in April of 2001. Then it was featured at another film festival in September of 2001. Did we mention this takes place in New York? Oh, boy, does this movie love New York. And one of the weird things about watching this movie set in New York, the, the version that was eventually released, is you don't see very many establishing shots of New York. <laughs> the second film festival it went to, its first screening there was on September 10th, and then it had another on September 12th. And apparently the audience was incapable of watching it through because there were nine or ten shots of the World Trade Center just interspersed throughout the film America
0: was suffering and people and the, the and film festivals inflicted worse. this film that's just me <laughs> on a
1: suffering American populace
0: Like, so
1: yeah so then um, it was officially released to theaters in 2002 with all of the establishing shots cut out of it
0: it's, so it's, it's basically the whole film equivalent of the Spider-Man trailer uh-huh. Which is an incredible piece of history.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... um, So, and it feels intensely pre-9-11. Extremely. On a baked-in cultural level. There's something intensely 90s and pre-9-11 about the
0: whole mentality of every one of these characters. Yes. I assume that this was filmed in, like, late 2000, but the whole, like, all the sh- the shtick about... Talking to your therapist and and personal neurosis. Wacka, and, wacka. Oh my God, it's the most 90s. hmm
1: It has generally positive
0: reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, an 83%. But here's the thing about Rotten Tomatoes scores. <laughs> as long as it's over a certain percentage, it will count it. No matter. As, as a positive. <laughs> so even
1: most of the positive reviews... Have just some wicked vicious burns. Like the one that calls it a lost episode of Ally McBeal. Good.
0: <laughs> it warmed my heart and it was good. <laughs> uh, we did w- one review that is not included on Rotten Tomatoes, but we made sure to go out and look out so we could inform you, the viewing populace, the most important score of all. We, we regret to inform you that this film is better and then, Laser Blast. That's right. <laughs> According to Leonard Maltin, it gets three stars. You know what's not better than Laser
1: Blast? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, apparently. It was on the same page, so. <laughs>
0: so, so, like, as long, you know, speaking of episodes past. um, You're really going to send them back into the vaults like that? I'm not. I'm not. Don't listen to that episode. I was, I would, I did not watch the, rewatch the film before we recorded that episode and it just... Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, listeners. I, I mean, did that episode bad. <laughs> I mean, you were busy watching the other Robert Downey Jr. film for that one. Oh. Ugh. I feel like Robert Downey Jr. should swan through the background of one of these shots. He That's should. how 90s it feels. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Ally McBeal. It's so much. But you know who's there here instead of Robert Downey Jr.? Pimp your show that you like. There is a male character who's really nice. And he is played by Scott Cohen which most of you probably don't know but a few of you probably do know who he is because he played Wolf in the 10th kingdom all 5 of
0: you are really excited right now and i love wolf he's adorable he he has charm he, he's, he's stuck kind in of this a film dick in this movie yeah yeah no he a is a relentless douchebag um so
1: what plot there is was assembled by these by the two leads, um, over the course of a lot of like workshopping and doing this this stage performance that they then turned into this the script for this film, um, they were working on it for years, like three years. It's called "Kissing Jessica Stein," but it's weird because she's not really the object of the film; she's very much the protagonist. I mean, multiple. I mean, people there in are the scenes with Helen. Away from Jessica and their scenes with Cohen's character Myers, Myers, mm. Josh Myers. Josh, he seems like a Josh <laughs> that are, are like out of her gaze. But overall, she is very much the protagonist. So that's a weird title to me, right? It's not like um... Um, apparently the working title for the film was Seek Same. Which was a phrase that you would use in newspaper personal ads, like "single white female seeks same," as in "I'm also I'm looking for another person in these same categories."
0: Right? Yes, because of course, uh, Jessica is extremely. She she is a stereotypical neurotic who has rejected every single man she's gone out on a date with. And her extremely Jewish mother is afraid she's never going to meet anybody. Okay, but her grandma Esther is the best character. Yeah, she's
1: really good. Grandma Esther is just like, fuck those dudes. They weren't good enough for you. They're lame.
0: (laughs) It's good and I support her. I want her movie. Uh Uh-huh. Or her friend Jones, frankly. Also good. All the old women in this film, very good.
1: I don't think Joan's old. I think she just has unfortunate glasses.
0: Yeah, and the hair,
1: that kind of sandy hair dye job. Yeah, with um, Jessica's best friend, Joan, is pregnant. And her ex just got engaged. So it's...
0: it's... So tick, 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 tick. Uh Uh-huh. And this is... I think I've made it clear on the podcast multiple times that I hate movies that are about the spirit of New York. Capital letters, which are, you know, just enamored with the essence of New Yorkiness. They do not endear me. I am not here for movies that just name drop a place or an intersection of streets and expect me to know the cultural (laughs) importance of that. Fuck you. Make me care. But what about those little town blues?
1: Mmm. Mmm. You don't look like they're melting away.
0: They're not. <laughs> They're getting icier. <laughs> like New York. Uh, New York was a fun. N- this New is York, one of those movies yeah. that wants the city to be a character. Mm-hmm. And it's just not.
1: And yet, all of these people have no trouble paying for their gorgeous, enormous lofts. Yeah, Jessica works as like a copy editor at a press that clearly has some nepotism issues cuz like she and her friend Josh both work there and they've known one another since
0: childhood so like uh-huh spotted and her parents are extremely wealthy they live up in Scarsdale so Which like means I don't... something i assume
1: yeah so and she's able to just drop the job and become an artist and then Laugh, And then she and Josh can laughingly, you know, talk about, well, who really needs money, though?
0: <laughs> I <Fuckers>. do. <laughs> Fucking pre-economy crash New Yorkers. They're stupid faces. I- <laughs> By the way, everyone in this film is insufferable. Um, oh, but Helen works at an art gallery,
1: and she's the um, sort of late 90s quasi-hippie type um, sexually free white lady she's basically Dharma from Dharma and Greg but with dark hair and, and if any of you know what Dharma and Greg is I'm sorry it was basically this but straight oh that sounds bad or Will and Grace but straight oh you know you have the uptight guy and his hippie wife and her wacky family oh. and shenanigans ensue okay. mad about you but with a hippie uh-huh yeah i'm getting the picture and i don't like it yeah she was played by jenna elfman which if we want to talk about lesbian phases uh, yeah we, we won't get into that because we, she yeah. has actual mental illness so we will we'll just
0: leave that aside we'll just put yeah. that over there after com did like this movie yeah and again which is strange to me because there aren't any trans women for this movie to hate so how could after ellen like it <laughs> Fuck that site. Anyway. So, yeah. So Jessica is just feeling.
1: And the last straw is when Jessica goes to a party, which includes a prospective beau played by John Ham. There's a baby Ham in this. Well, and the reason he's in it is because he was dating the writer, Jennifer uh, Westfeld, one of the two writers. Who uh, plays Jessica? I believe who plays Jessica was his longtime partner for eighteen years, and including at this time. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's why he's here in a sort of "blink and you miss it" role. He looks just like when his character in Thirty Rock. It's a little unsettling, <laughs> but yeah. So there's John Hamm. Related it, note:
1: uh, both leads who developed this concept the only relationships that they've both been in long-term relationships with men. As far (laughs) as we know, they have never
0: publicly dated any women, is what we're trying to say. I can't say they're not bisexual, but... But, like, this movie certainly doesn't know the word bisexual.
1: No, yeah, so... So... Her good friend Josh at this party just excoriates her for being too picky and neurotic for refusing to fuck all these guys from this uh, montage sequence of- Which I enjoy a shitty date
0: montage, I'm not gonna lie. Right, but the the fact that he he rakes her over the coals for then not fucking these awful guys- Right, these dudes were probably all really nice guys, he almost but not quite says. (laughs) just living out their lives and you dismissed them right away and now they're going to go on the internet and f- <laughs>
1: and, and develop the concept <laughs> of the rest of men going their own way <laughs> <laughs> you have done this
0: jessica stein is responsible <laughs> for mras yep you heard it here first men ready to assault i believe it is what is, yeah. is what that stands for
1: yeah Yeah, her dear friend Josh is weirdly invested in her relationships for some reason. They've known one another for, you know, all their lives. Childhood friends
0: they are. Yep. Yeah, so she takes this as, well, I have to fuck the next person I meet, The next person
1: willing to fuck me.
0: Uh (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Helen is just over dick for the moment. Yeah, she's just, she's had sufficient quantities. Yep. She's had plenty of hot beef injections. She is a hashtag she is sexually adventurous and banging multiple people apparently without disclosing to them.
0: Yeah, no she is not she's not open or polyamorous. She's just cheating on her partner from what I
1: can tell. yeah, that the one dude. Mm-hmm. She works at an art gallery. She does yoga.
0: It's she so meditates. Much. She works with the gays. Yep, there are gays at the art gallery where she works. And, of course, two we're, two of them are in a relationship, but, of course, they snipe at one another all the time and are never... Never affectionate. Ever. God forbid. That the writers, you know, are basing this off people they worked with i mean i wouldn't be surprised like those are the kinds of relationships that do exist in real but like in a film framework in this film it's already such a train wreck about queer shit yeah it don't and helen's played by heather jurgensen
1: um and so she puts a want ad in the newspaper with the help of her erudite gay friends who pick a real kick quote to make her look deep and jessica reads the want ad
0: Or has someone read the wanted to her. And and gloms onto it before she discovers that it's a uh, women seeking women and then thinks, well, I guess I'll go anyway, because I was so impressed by this quote. Because she has this thing about how she always knew she'd fall for somebody who had a really pithy quote. And so this is something about misrepresentation or assumptions or... You know, you just need to open up your boundaries and be open to life, man. But, But also... Is
1: being bad here because she didn't even select the quote or
0: something. So it's not the real her that Jessica's even connecting with, right? Because she didn't know who Rilka is. Yeah, yeah. But they go, they go out, and Jessica immediately panics. But she can't get a taxi, so they end up having a nice first date. And it's hard to describe like the action, the rising action of the plot because it's in some ways a rom com, so it's a lot of scenes of their developing relationship while shenanigans happen. But yeah, and again um helen is
1: not described as nor does she call herself bisexual she's decided it's time to be a lesbian right now yep like i'm done being straight for the moment
0: today i am a lesbian and then you have uh, your les mitzvah and And, they give um, you gifts
1: jessica's super freaked out by her at first until she finds out that helen's fucked dudes in the past and this is somehow calming to her Like, oh, I was... We also get a phone montage exactly like the one from Single White Female, actually.
0: Oh, my God. Or Mrs.
1: Doubtfire. I'd forgotten. Yeah, there's a whole phone montage where Helen is selecting from the many people who want to fuck the Rilke Quoter. Mm-hmm. And they're all lesbian stereotypes. Like, there's the butch with the deep voice who's looking for someone to, to mother a child with her eventually... There's the really hysterical lady with the cats! Mm-hmm. And it's a lot, because apparently the message is that Helen doesn't want a real lesbian. Yeah. She, she, she wants somebody Just another normal. normal.
0: Yeah. It's... Again, the fact that, that these are two women who... As far as we're aware... Are straight. Yeah. Because
1: it's clear that they wanted to think through and establish um, a piece where they got to just really work their chemistry mm-hmm. and interact with one another because they each thought the other one was, like, the perfect person to play off of. And they figured the best way to do that was to establish it as a romance story. Like, that's legit in isolation, but boy, is it awkward in execution.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, straight, it's, uh, straight actors can play gay characters, but when it comes to writing, straight people should just not be writing about the queer experience at this point. That's where I am in my life. You're doing it bad.
1: Yeah, so they, they go on this first date, and then they continue to go on dates where Jessica's, like, Uh, there's a whole scene about blending lipsticks and it's clearly supposed to be some sort of thematic thing but it never comes to anything i assume it's just a leftover from the stage play lipstick and jessica continues freaking out every time helen touches her but at the same time demanding that they continue dating
0: Mm -hmm. which like if you're sex averse like fine but no no she's just freaked out by that whole lesbianism thing she's cool with making out let's go slow but it's just so super gross and weird. Mm-hmm. And Tova Feldshuh plays her mother, and my god, this woman is great. She's very good, <laughs> is the thing. <laughs> there is a ticking clock where because Jessica's brother is, as we mentioned, getting married, which is part of what pushed her into dating Helen in the first place. So she gets invited over and pressured into bringing her good friend Helen to dinner. And so... They do. They do. And then they bone on her childhood bed because For the first have... time. Yep. And it's a total fade to black. And I will give it I this is one of like two times that I laughed during the film because it is a hilariously small bed. It's a
1: tiny infant-sized bed.
0: <laughs> and they're like, we'll have plenty of room.
1: Thanks, mom. We'll just fit. Thanks. <laughs> Fair enough. Two I laughed laughs. two laughs in this film. <laughs> um and then we get a smash cut to her at work uh wearing sweater dresses and having her hair up and and a shake in her booty as she walks she's fun now because now she's fun Mm -hmm. she's fun and exciting and everybody knows she that the only explanation for this
0: can be a romantic relationship obviously but who is the guy yes we are playing the pronoun game now Mm -hmm. (sighs) except not even she's just lying and saying she's dating a dude A dude that she just doesn't want to introduce to anybody. Like, so much of the- if this were an actual, like, lesbian or, you know, a a gay movie, an actual gay movie, I would be a lot kinder on these things. Because, yeah, I've been closeted at work. Yeah. I've done this game. Oh, yeah.
1: For sure. But- but like This movie does not seem to grasp the mechanics of that,
0: mm-hmm. nor
1: the conflicts, because it's so focused on the fact that she's
0: comfortable being closeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now that they've finally boned, the conflict shifts to, well, you haven't outed Ethical us. obligation to be out. Right. Are you ashamed of me? And her friend Joan
1: finds out their secrets.
0: Mm-hmm. And is very because,
1: supportive. Because they're like... At the market, getting food when, when
0: Jessica claimed that uh, you know she was going to be laying low with her boyfriend all weekend, and you get it this really gross,
1: excoriating sort of scene where she's wailing about, "Are you disgusted by me? Are you
0: horrified?" So, and 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 she's and her have friend I the most
1: repulsive thing
0: you've ever seen. Now that
1: you have discovered my filthy secret, and Helen's not around
0: for this, even yeah. Meanwhile, Joan is chill, and I feel like it's the movie trying to be like, we've come so far. The world is a chiller place now. And I didn't I'm- need to be closeted, really. Except I want to die. All of this makes me want to die.
1: Yep, it's extremely uncomfortable. And Joan is just there for the prurient details. But at the same time, she's being, you know, a, a- A gross prying asshole, but also I'd rather watch her movie where she goes and pries into the lives of all of her friends and it's an anthology film. I would watch the hell out of that film is the thing. (laughs) Because then we'd only get like 20 minutes worth of, uh... Oh, there would be less Jessica? It's a better film already. Uh Uh-huh. This has the Piper Kerman issue of your lead is terrible
0: and I hate her. Uh Uh-huh. Well, except... Because Jessica is really selfish. Yeah, she's selfish, and she's mean, and she's dismissive in a way that, to me, doesn't seem to come from... I I never get a sense of, like, authentic hurt or why I should care about... Because I I love lots of neurotic characters. Right, but she's
1: just... She's not invested in relationship. She's invested in her own comfort. It comforts her to feel like she has a connection with someone. Mm -hmm. It comforts her... To have somebody take her at her speed,
0: always. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there's not, like, that sense of, I yearn to be- there's not a hedgehog's dilemma here. She's not yearning to be uh, near other people, but afraid of them. She just doesn't want to be alone and the social stigma that comes with being alone. And meanwhile, the gays are saying
1: terrible things to Helen,
0: who Uh, they work with. About how she really needs to come out to be- No, no, not Helen. Or-
1: Right. The gays are, are telling her that she can't authentically be a lesbian because she's taken too
0: much dick for that. You've taken more dick than me, and I was a slut in the 80s. A movie that might be funny in another movie with a more charming script and actor. Yeah, but he's just nasty and mean. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the then we then are you're...
1: playing by gold star rules here. Yeah. But only
0: kinda. Only kinda. Like, it's weird and gross, And uh, eventually, Helen gets very upset because because Jessica's mother invited her to the wedding, but the invitation mysteriously never got there. And Jessica never mentioned the timing
1: of the wedding, nor that Helen was invited. Because she's an asshole. And just didn't want Helen, her alleged best friend that's invited to the wedding, to come to the wedding. Like, Uh let alone her girlfriend. Like... Like, damn. It's just... The fact that your family invited her.
0: And again, the fact that this is split... uh, The the fact that it's a product of a two-person writing team and it wants them all to be protagonists means that she's... You have to spend so much time with the internal life of a character like this to make them at all sympathetic. And I just hate her. I hate her so much.
1: Yeah, she's awful, so... And it's this whole excruciating scene where Jessica was being fitted for a bridesmaid dress for the wedding. So she, so she's wearing it throughout this whole confrontation. And her mom's just like, what the fuck is going on? What, what Why is Helen upset, you know, wh- that I invited her? What's going on? And, you know,
0: they storm out and have a fight in the street. And at this point, I was sure that Helen had rightfully dumped her. And I'm like, oh, God, well, the movie Helen, must almost be over now, right? Helen does dump her. Dude, they don't fuck
1: until, like, 40 minutes before the end of the film. It's, like, an hour in before they fuck.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was checking the timestamps.
0: Because, my God, this is the
1: longest 90-minute movie. And then Helen dumps her because she's an asshole. And then Helen goes to cry
0: on the shoulder of the gay who told her she wasn't gay enough. Mm Mm-hmm. But don't worry. They get back together in time for the wedding. And yet that is not the end of the movie. And
1: then they come out at the wedding, Uh essentially. Like... As though literally everybody didn't already know. Uh-huh. Like, Jessica's mom is even just like, what the fuck? I invited your girlfriend to the wedding. She's clearly your girlfriend. What the fuck? And, and there's this whole scene that really sums up why the movie exists. Uh-huh. Where Jessica's mom sits out on the porch with her and tells a story of, as you know, when you were a child, this happened. Like, we couldn't afford child actors to film this, so... So would you like to tell it and Uh, uh, offer your perspective as an actor, as a person with a drama degree? Uh, yeah, that's very
0: relevant to the situation. (laughs) Apparently. When she was in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Jessica got the part for a play that she had always wanted, but she came home the first day of rehearsal and said, I quit because it's not because my co-star isn't good enough. And if he's not good enough, the production won't be good enough. And I don't want to be involved with anything that isn't good enough. And her mother spins this as a tale of, all oh, this, this child is going to have a hard life. And I'm like... Because she's such a perfectionist. And
1: if she would only accept that others have limitations, but you can still make something great.
0: Right. And, you know, the upshot of it is that, that her co-star was actually pretty good after all. And if only she hadn't made such a snap decision and, sl- and seen it through. But also, this is clearly why this movie exists. Because it's clearly a case of these two actresses feeding
1: off one another hmm Creatively, and just wrapping themselves
0: in it and making the best thing in the world. And it's, it's a very expensive little vanity project. <laughs> the movie is weirdly not... It feels like the movie should be over there. Like, if this were a conventional rom... This gets labeled a rom-com, but I don't think it is, because it lacks the thing that a rom-com has. But then they move in together. Uh-huh. Yes. And they are very happy for, what, six months? I think it's... A, a-
1: I think every time we check in, it's another three months along.
0: So it's like a year. Yeah. They have a great year, except for, oh gosh, that bugbear that comes to us all.
1: You're going to have to explain this uh-huh. to people. Oh, also, um, yeah, they, they move in within the first year of dating because that's... You hauling. Yep. Which we've talked about before as a stereotype of I mean, it's lesbians. not a- untrue stereotype for some <laughs> for some people but uh, um more recent uh, studies have shown that lesbians don't move in any faster than straight couples and in fact often take longer because of the stigma attached to moving in with one another as lesbians because it's this running joke that what does a lesbian bring to a second date a u-haul but i'm because
0: women just insta bond too quickly I, I do think the re I, I do think you see it sometimes with the uh, with long distance couples because once you're finally together you it moves faster because you've done the other dating steps well yeah but I mean I think that long distance time should
1: be counted in there yeah and I that's probably true of straight couples too yeah so because um, I mean we knew one another for a year or so
0: yeah. before moving in together That's true um but not that we're lesbians but we are not but you know. We'd be counted in the vicinity umbrella by a lot of people, I'm sure, mm, and not by some others. By some others, because there's no winning. We. Uh, this has been a tangent. So u-hauling is a annoying, but I think mostly harmless stereotype. But that unlike is not
1: the worst trope that ultimately dooms them.
0: Nope, lesbian bed death, which sounds fucking rad, frankly. <laughs> I. I hope that there is a punk band called Lesbian Bed Death, and I hope that it rocks. A
1: Riot Girl band, yes. Yes. Like a throwback Riot Girl band called Lesbian
0: Bed Death. (laughs) Mm hmm. If you have, in more recent, you you may actually be familiar with this in a more recent film. The Kids Are All Right is a Lesbian Bed Death movie. Uh, Lesbian Bed Death is. As well as another Weasley bisexual. Pretending to be lesbian. It's fine, though, because the bean pulls their
1: relationship together at the end for the
0: sake of the kids.
1: I haven't seen it, but Ugh. I hate Mark Ruffalo's character on principle.
0: So, like, here we are. <laughs> yep. Uh, but lesbian bed death is the assumption that inevitably when women are together in a romantic and sexual relationship, the sex part will die out and they will... Because they just don't have the drives. Mm-hmm. And they will settle into a comfortable, basically asexual relationship and eventually break apart.
1: And speaking of asexuality, I feel like if you did a remake of this movie now, you would need to grapple with the fact that, is Jessica Ace? I don't know. She's so she at no point seems sexually attracted to anyone,
0: despite all the meaningful shots of her looking at men. Like she, well, she like the closest she has to being a likable character is when Helen breaks up with her, and she's very upset. She's like, "We have everything, you know we we enjoy each other's company and we live together, and it's warm and it's nice. And why does it need to have sex?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, there there's a another universe's better movie. Bye." But don't worry, she'll be pressured into sex with somebody else soon. Uh huh. Yeah, it's clearly not. It's clearly not sincere it's her attempt to save face because she has because before the wedding she sucked face with her childhood friend and seemed pretty into it Mm -hmm. in a very sex-heavy kind of way yeah well plus we got
1: that shot when it's the interest sharing portion of the film where we see that they're you know learning and growing from one another as -hmm. part of this experience um we see that she and helen go for a jog and Helen gets tired out and has to uh stop to breathe and Jessica's you know waiting and encouraging her until these uh muscular dudes run past them and her head turns and she starts running again and Helen has to chase her it's a very significant shot do you see she still wants that dick though and, and uh, we are talking about this in very binary terms when it comes to dick, because this is a very binary film.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, there's also a version of this film where the clear solution is that uh, hell, is that Jessica just needs to date a trans woman who kept her dick. <clears throat> because this is so dick-focused. Uh-huh. She's real into dick. She's yeah, to another, like women, but...
1: It's another of those films where all of sexuality is defined by a person's interest in dicks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, lesbian bed death I think has a lot to do with that uh, that Stephen Fry quote, that really horrible one.
1: Oh, where women don't actually experience desire. Uh-huh. Yeah, well there were also studies that showed that les- lesbian sex like takes longer, uh-huh. which is based in the, in the there were studies that showed that lesbian sex was taking longer than straight sex so straight people were having sex for more minutes per week because they were having it multiple times Mm -hmm. but it wasn't factoring into account like how long it takes for two women to to
0: satisfactorily get off right so yeah as though different kinds of sex work different kind of ways right weird
1: and like as though sex with a vagina isn't mechanically different from sex with a
0: dick. It's a whole lot of bad. It's just so much bad. And there is, I think this And also mo- there
1: were issues with the data collection in terms of what was, con- whether they were counting acts, which might in some couples be considered foreplay, but mm-hmm. in other couples would be considered part of the sex. Like whether that was part of the timing.
0: Which is legitimately interesting shit in that it's extremely frustrating. Like, where do you draw a line mechanically? This movie is not that smart.
1: No, no. Um, Jessica and Helen stop having sex as often and Helen leaves because she wants to, legitimately, she wants to be in a relationship where she feels sexually desired instead of one where she has to pull teeth every
0: couple months and feels like her partner's repulsed by her. Which, yeah, is fair. Like, it is fair to want a relationship that is just snuggling and cuddling and making out, and it is fair to want one where you fuck a lot. Those are both fine. They're just not compatible with each other. That's not how this movie treats it. So then Jessica
1: goes to a local bookstore. Um, by the way, everybody has been renewed by Helen's presence in their lives temporarily, um... Josh, the friendly friend, who is such a good friend. Gosh, that childhood friend. Took his drawer novel out and quit the copy editing firm and is now working on writing. He's working on his writing. <laughs> he has
0: become the dude in your MFA. Uh-huh. He was always the dude in your MFA. He he is his, He probably en- already had an MFA. His entire plan is to neg the object of his affections until she comes around. For twenty years. For
1: twenty years jessica has taken up painting again not acting oddly enough nope like you'd think the formative childhood experience being acting related would mean that her secret ambition was always acting but we had to get a georgia o'keefe joke
0: in and i guess painting is oh, a
1: solitary art i do love the scene where um Where everybody comes and takes a look at her painting that her girlfriend got placed in a gallery show, which is totally legitimate.
0: Oh, yeah. She definitely uh, earned that. Um, But... They can't decide what it
1: should look like, nor can they afford a real artist to make something worthwhile. So everybody just stands and stares at the camera, and the camera stands in for the painting. And they all just remark on how powerful it
0: is. She just, it's a world-changing experience. If, if only you could see this painting. Right. But she takes some flyers down to her local bookshop,
1: gets flirted with by a cute girl who wants to know more about uh, this roommate position that's opened up. And she doesn't even notice. Because she never really wanted to be hit on by a girl anyway. Uh. Oh, but she's accepting
0: emails now. Oh, yeah. That's part of her great journey in this film. She starts out being even more the worst because she doesn't answer emails. She accepts emails at work because she's
1: forced to, but she believes computers uh, take away our humanity. Fuck off. Fuck off. I hate this woman. Anything instrumental that is used to convey information is between us. It's also connective. Fuck off.
0: But now she accepts emails. So she's really come so far as a character. And she doesn't sleep in anymore. She gets up and she does yoga like Helen. <sighs> I don't know what Helen got out of this. Uh, other than a year of bullshit. She realized she likes vagina.
1: <sighs> but while Jessica's at the bookstore, she just happens to bump into
0: Scott. And it's kind of implied that or, they're I mean, going- Josh, but played by Scott Cohen. He's he... Wolf. Yeah she bumps into wolf (laughs) who does not eat her much to my sadness i mean he doesn't eat people yeah yeah he's got that
1: kind of face (laughs) wolf eats people
0: (laughs) this guy no 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 and they they have a mildly flirty interaction. It's clearly implied that they're going to, you know, date because they had expressed interest in one another, but she was with Helen at the time.
1: And it was honestly a very uncomfortable scene because the whole focus of it was on, I can't be with you because I'm in this relationship. Right,
0: not, n- no, I don't. Not I prefer this relationship right, to being with I'm you. happy in this. Yeah. No, it's keeping me from what I really want, which is that dick, though. <laughs> And then, um,
1: she goes to meet her good friend, Helen, for lunch, and, and, it, and Helen is in a relationship with some other lady. Yep. Who has no lines, but she's there. No, no. The, the other lady says something like, no, no, five more minutes in bed or something. Right, right. She, mm, yep. I assume- I just really hope this turns into a fucking L word situation six months down the line, Where Jessica ends up dating that lady, and
0: they're all dating one another's exes. (laughs) Good. Like, I guess this movie could have been worse if they'd both gone back to dating dudes. But. But, like, it's still pretty insufferable. Yeah. And the fact that this is essentially
1: going to be reduced to Jessica's spicy phase. Uh You know, I was cool
0: once, she'll say to her kids. I feel like in a better movie there would be some kind of some kind of reality to the fact that that you have two bisexual women one who mainly hangs out with straight people and one who mainly hangs out with queer people and who they then end up dating but that would take a much better writing team than this
1: well yeah this writing team wasn't actually concerned with conveying an accurate or authentic picture of a queer relationship and the complexities of it. They were concerned with creating a strong vehicle for
0: their barely veiled personas mm-hmm. to bounce off one another. But they ended up being such good friends. And isn't that the most important thing of all? Which I really think this is actually a movie about theater. Yeah.
1: It's about a showman's. Yeah. Again, you
0: are the theater expert, but that's what I got out of it. Showmances showmances do happen, and they are intense. Except that, um, more likely, after a showmance, you never speak to each other again. And then you move to different cities. But what if you're still in the industry, though? Mm.
1: Then you just have to. I don't... mm. But, like, that's what it feels much more like. It's it's taking that sort of intensity and energy that they experience performatively with one another... And grafting it
0: into the structure of a romantic comedy. Yeah, because I feel like that's the very intense connection that they understand. So they've assumed, well, it must be like that then. But it's very not romantic chemistry. It's super not.
1: And it's exhausting. Oh, it's exhausting to watch. We've had a few people say that (laughs) that they... Ended up infuriated by it.
0: Yeah, I mentioned on Twitter that I was watching this movie. And And I guess we're going to do our shout out early this time. (laughs) And multiple people came up and were like, oh. Oh, Oh, that fucking movie. And you could just feel their soul leaving their body. And some poor person, I have to look it up now. (laughs) At uh, EC Phonemes mentioned that somebody had come up and lied to them and said that this was good queer rap, And I want to find that person and I want to punch them in their face. Because, <sighs> granted, Helen
1: is one of the least loathsome parts of this film, but she's but existence. she's also kind of a cipher. She's basic... Even though this was developed by both of these actresses, it's definitely um, Jennifer Westfeld's film. And so um, Heather Jurgensen's character... Is kind of, I don't know if it was this way in the stage play, but in the film, she's kind of reduced uh, in dimensionality into a manic pixie dream girl, which is an overused term. Mm.
0: But
1: But she is essentially serving the function of renewing Jessica's life through the quirkiness and nonconformativeness of her existence. Yeah, and and like, at least this is more honest than most Manic Pixie Dream Girl movies in that they don't stay together. They do not. Jessica just, you
0: know, sucks that life out of her and moves on. Eventually, Helen does get tired of her bullshit and is allowed to split. Which is, yes, better than most Manic Pixie Dream Girl movies. <laughs> I wonder if uh,
1: Jessica's related to, um, to the dude in 500 Days of Summer.
0: Yeah, it is weird how... The re- we, we, we did, in fact, spend some time on the Rotten Tomatoes page before recording this episode, and it's weird how the rhetoric around the people who didn't hate this movie talk about how, you know, it really reaches out to the common people, makes it something relatable. And I'm like, oh, so it's, yes, it's because it's not very gay. Yeah, like the, the one sex scene
1: is a fade to black. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the, the one queer sex scene is a fade to black. We do see Helen getting repeatedly railed by dudes yep also one guy gives her head but it's not satisfying for her Mm -hmm. i have to assume that jessica doesn't give head oh hell no this is not she's she's so comedy neurotic she probably thinks it's unsanitary it's so much like if you're not into that fair enough but also i think it's telling that we only see this one random dude give unsatisfying head
0: it's the least sexual Gay movie, ever like the I think that that's the code behind. Straight people can like this is oh it's as sexless as possible, very much in the same way as as Will and Grace. Yeah, it's it's very cold. It, it is it is wacky this attraction, like the comedy makeout scenes. Yeah, where... the, the, this this attraction
1: is about how unlikely mm-hmm. and weird and wild this is for someone as conservative as Jessica.
0: And I just isn't it just funny where life can take you here's the and i love uptight neurotic characters who are afraid of their feelings and i hate her so much you do love reanimator yes i do (laughs) and i love klaus (laughs) i and and i love barnaby and i love neurotic characters but this ain't it this ain't it though
1: they're saying it, though. Because, because she's just mean to her partner. Like, the only time she's decent to Helen is when she's situationally forced into it. Mm-hmm. Like, when she's browbeaten into doing something vaguely decent to Helen. Or right. when the decency has already been essentially accomplished by everyone else around her.
0: Even if we take away the queer politics of it and where it fits kind of into the timeline and the shitty tropes it's playing into as a romance... They just have nothing.
1: Yeah, it's unsatisfying. It's not, it doesn't adhere to the, you know, basic necessities of a rom-com, of having that happily ever after moment where you're happy that they're together.
0: Yeah. Because they're not. They're not together. It is.
1: It is a happy ever ending for these two is, boy, that was a wacky mistake we made. Oh. Boy, it'll be awkward telling my kids in 12 years about the time I used to fuck Auntie Helen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Auntie Helen is going to get less and less calls. Uh-huh. Oh, there is a window into the future here. Yeah. that She might get invited to the wedding. Maybe. Maybe. But after that, those phone calls and letters will dry up after one or the other of them
0: moves to a different city. Gosh, they'll think about it every now and then and be a little bit glad that they have myriad excuses not to have to call one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I don't even get a sense of, like, like it's supposed to be that they're not sure how to, and they're, they're nervous about societal forces, and they're not entirely sure how, you know, sex with a vagina works. But I don't sense any kind of erotic, even from Helen.
1: Even from Helen, who's supposed to be the character that wants sex, and mm-hmm. for some reason is willing to put up with this this basket case that she's supposedly attracted to. Helen has some sunk cost fallacy going on, I think. She's put up with this much bullshit, so Ma- she's got to, to get some. Uh-huh. I can't give up now. Yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to have sex on the 10th date. <sighs> that, that's an actual thing that's going on. Uh-huh. Is, is that Jessica is obligated to have sex on their 10th date, which is why they fuck. In her childhood bedroom. The most awkward thing? her <sighs> parents are there. I hope they at least got those cabaret tickets. Yes. God, yes. Because in attempting to get out of going to see her parents so that they can, you know, have their 10th date and then fuck, she claims to her mom that, oh, well, sorry, my friend Helen got tickets to cabaret, so... Uh,
0: we we just have to. It's sol- The run is sold out. We'll never get more. And then her mom's like, no, no, I know somebody who is like... Who was a swing in the production. He can get us tickets.
1: So I'll get you tickets for later this week. You come here. Which is like, win-win. You, uh-huh. you, you go to Shabbos dinner, because then you're getting free cabaret tickets. That are probably way better than the ones you got before. The, the non-existent ones, yes. <laughs> the ones that don't exist because she made them up as a reason to have an obligation.
0: Yep. Yeah, um... Don't watch this movie. Of all the movies we're going to be talking about this especially, month, watch this one least. Especially don't watch this one.
1: Like, There's nothing of value here that you couldn't get in another film. Like, yeah. There are other female-fronted comedies about two actresses playing off one another, uh-huh. which is where this movie actually resides yeah if that's not as gay romance
0: (laughs) if that's what you want watch bridesmaids if you want a 90s movies that's about messy queer shit watch chasing amy there are so many options that are not this (laughs) yeah oh god i hated it and i am sorry you had to watch it as a wee baby
1: Uh uh-huh oh it was upsetting when i finally got my hot little hands on it and i was like this this for years also it's boring like i don't think we mentioned it but on top of all of that non-plot it's boring the long like it's hard to keep your eyes on the longest 90 minutes and considering it's supposed to be a comedy what was the other thing that made you laugh You got two laughs. I got two laughs.
0: One uh, one of them was Was the tiny bed.
1: Right, the hilarious set dressing.
0: And the other was the wedding scene where all the tiny grandmothers have gathered around Helen and are asking her about her prospects. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very adorable and warmed my heart. And again, that should have been the end of the movie in a actually good rom-com. Right,
1: and something that was actually about, you know, finding yourself and finding love in an unexpected place. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that, but then was it deci- nice. decides to walk it back away from there. Yeah,
0: then it keeps going for another 20 minutes and just disintegrates their whole relationship. And because fuck you, it was really about their friendship, lesbian phase, fuck off. It's bad. Well, I think that we can put a stake in that one's heart. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more of us on SoundCloud by looking up Trash and Treasures or on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or review, because it helps people to find us. You can also email us at treasures underscore pod at outlook.com, or find us on social media on... Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com on Pillowfort if you look up Trash and Treasures or on Twitter at Trash Pod and uh, like we mentioned or alluded to earlier if you uh, come say hi we'll give you a shout out on the show we uh, really appreciate all of you and next week we will be heading into the third week of Pride with a special guest to discuss a movie we've kind of wanted to do since the show started, but never, we didn't want to do on our own. It's a big one. Uh, <laughs> we're staying. We're we're moving slightly back a few years to the mid '90s. Uh, to the most. Well, we're moving backwards. We're certainly. Yes.
1: Yeah. Are we though?
0: Oh. Who? Oh, it's a dead heat. It's, it's, it's a dead hard. heat. It's tough. At any rate, we'll be talking about certainly the most famous trans movie of the 90s. No, not Priscilla Queen of the Desert. We wish. That would have been better. Instead, we'll be talking about To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. The stupidest and lo- over- her longest title. <laughs> Hooray.
1: <sighs> so. Thanks for hanging with us this month. Uh, all four weeks of it, where you'll get you know weekly updates instead of bi-weekly. That's well, very exciting. They're not like me.
0: <laughs> adorable they're not adorable? No,
1: they're not they're really're not. not.
0: All right, until next time, take care of yourselves. See y'all.